This is the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. Boundaries or burnout, you make the choice. Here's your host, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Sonny Bennell and Ashley Hansberger online. How are you two? We're great. Thank you for asking. Glad to have you here. You are the authors of Rare Breed, Success for the Defiant, Dangerous and Different. Boy, I love those three people. Those are, those are, and actually, if you could all be all of those in one, it's like you're really shaking up the world. So, well, so that's why you would be a Rare Breed. There you, there you go. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad uh, that you guys are here and, and even more happy that uh, you created this book. So tell us about the book. Um, you know, what prompted you to write it? Because I always ask authors, like, why did you sacrifice a big chunk of your life to write a book? And uh, the stories that I've heard have, have been amazing, and I, and I trust it'll be the same with this one. So tell us about the journey about the book and, and, and what it's about. Yeah, well, we, the, the kind of the thesis of the book is we started with a question which was, what if you could take the parts of you that other people criticize and turn them into your selling point? So things like being defiant and dangerous and different. What if we could find a way to reframe those as virtues? Society teaches us to suppress things like that. Um, And so in the book, we explore these seven vices um, that are really mostly deemed as cautionary tales. Uh, The seven are rebellious, audacious, obsessed, weird, hot-blooded. Uh, hypnotic and emotional things that again society our parents our teachers our mentors often tell us are things we should not be and so we wanted to write a book about celebrating those um, traits and to make them your attributes and really help you become the rare breeding in your category and it really all started uh, about 15 years ago when Ashley and I um, we've, we've grown up together uh, we started our company together in our early 20s uh, with $250 in a very small coastal town and really against um, the, the, the better judgment of other people. They thought that we were too young, too female, too broke, too inexperienced to really succeed uh, in a world where, you know, at that point we had a branding agency and it was ran by the old guard, mostly 60-ish admin, um, at least in our city. And so who did we think we were dropping out of college uh, to start a company with no prior business experience and kind of coming out the old guard with, with uh, this idea that, that we could do it differently and we could do it better. And so Rare Breed, I think, really started back then um, and has now become kind of the blueprint. So I would say we've been probably writing this book for the past, uh, you know, over a decade, but it took us in the last, you know, two years to kind of really formulate the idea and in the last year to really write a book about it. Well, the, the timing of it is impeccable because uh, you, know, you, you said you started writing it um, a decade and a half ago. And we look at what's going on with society today where you know, all of these traits, you know, rebellious and audacious. And I've dealt with some hot-blooded people. Actually, yesterday I dealt with somebody that was a little hot-blooded, but that's another story for another day. Um, and, and, and they I were all... I uh, tell this story. Yeah. And, and they were <laughs> all... Curious. They were also very emotional too, and uh, borderline insubordination, and all kind. Of, it was fun, um, but I'll I'll, I'll 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 protect the guilty and not talk about it. But uh, anyway, uh, but these are traits that we see in a lot of uh, the startups and the gig economy and everything that we see mm-hmm. today. But 
you had the vision about this years ago and and you know came to fruition so it, it's funny how you know a story like this that was percolating with you so long ago and you know it, it goes live and it's like wow this is great you're spot on with what's going on right now and you're like how in the world would i have known 15 years ago what we're facing today um because 15 years ago we didn't you know the, i mean the iphones weren't around yet and you know, a lot of people were still dealing with either blackberries or the indestructible nokia phones and all those other things and and now we completely different world you know where you know, people can pretty much work anywhere and do anything and are giving themselves the permission and the freedom to do so well it's interesting because if you think about it all of the past centuries it's been the defiant it's been the dangerous and it's been the different people in the world who have actually allowed us to make progress with our cultures and our societies so to us, this isn't, it's a really relevant idea right now, but it's not a brand new one. Well, because I think suppression has been with us since the beginning of time. And I think identity has also been something that we've all struggled with since the beginning of time. So in that way, this book is really, it's of course relevant for right now, but I think those topics are things that we all struggle with. We all struggle with identifying ourselves in the world and you know the book is really about coming to terms with who you are and really understanding the full spectrum of who you are and using these things to your advantage so the thing that you were just talking about a moment ago with this person that was hot-blooded and emotional what's interesting about the way we've written this book is what you're describing is someone that you've seen the negative of that right well in this book we frame the positive of that and also the negative of when things like being audacious turns hubristic or when uh, being rebellious is used for destruction, not for changing the status quo in a positive way. So it's really about understanding how to leverage the traits and the duality of each one of these traits because what was important to us is, and why it's these particular seven is because each one of these traits has a dark side. They're as, uh, as uplifting as they are undoing. And that's the beauty of why these seven traits are in the book is because what you just described was actually the negative, the dark side of someone who's hot-blooded and emotional, who's, who's you know, in your mind, you're like, oh, this is a loose cannon. Yeah, this Whereas, is a person who's a pain in the ass. Right, but like, and we're sort of saying, well, what if you could use your hot-blooded nature and your emotional side to actually move you forward in life in, in, a, in a very... Um, powerful way where it becomes a superpower. Does it again? It turns a vice to a virtue. And I I love the duality of of both of these things. And and my hope for this individual is that they will, you know, take that energy. You know, the the being emotional and, and being hot blooded, and channel it in a way to say, okay, I'm going to do something about this situation to make it better. Um, whether it's um, proving the management was incorrect in their assessment in the situation and or come up with something, a better way to do something. 
um, than what is currently done. And I find uh, with with organizations, and you know, I love the the analogy about you know this is really timeless, even though you know we we talked about 15 years ago. But you go back to the Edisons and the Henry Fords, and you know the the innovators, you know, from centuries ago on on everything that has ever been built that has become you know, a way of life for, for us as, as humans, they had to push the envelope and actually push through the, the status quo and the, well, no, we don't want to do that. And no, we've been doing it this way for the last 20 years and it's good. And yeah, it was good 20 years ago, but it's not good now because we have to evolve and adapt to what the market or our clients or whomever needs today. And those needs change. And uh, it's those organizations that can channel people with, with these energies um, and, you know, with a little rebellious, you know, keep it within the lines, you know, type of thing as much as you can, maybe touch the edge a little bit, but uh, it's those people that actually create the things that we all love and use today. Yeah, but you have to remember that many organizations fear the rebel. So we say that we want rebels in our organization and we want people who are outside of the box thinkers and who's going to force us to innovate and be brave and sort of infuse their courageous spirit within the walls of our organizations. And yet we can't even get, you know, a, a basic change uh, pushed through without layers and layers of approvals and, you know, really sort of, uh, drowning out any brave voice that comes to the table. And that's kind of true for all the organizations. I mean, Ashley and I, you know, work with leaders of organizations of all shapes and sizes. We have big, big clients like 20th Century Fox, and we have small innovators and, you know, disruptive, disruptive clients that are bringing new and innovative ideas to the market. And the one thing that we see again and again is the big companies are afraid. They're afraid of their own shadow. They're afraid to stick their neck out. They're afraid to leave because they're scared that it's too big of a pivot and they have hummed along for many, many years and they're a big, big Titanic and they fear, they, they're not sure, they, and sometimes they're even faulty and thinking that they can't sink. And the reality is, is that they can because there's a lot of people coming up behind them and sort of out-innovating them and those people have nothing to lose. They are the rare breed because they are unafraid to challenge what's ahead of them. Now, you know, again, I think part of the work that we do is to try to help companies think through the lens of the rare breed, to really think through these seven vices and turn them into virtues, not only for themselves, but in their own life and their career, but also within their companies. How do they apply these seven uh, vices turn virtue? How do, we, how do we teach them how to think like a rebel, to be obsessed with the details, to act a little bit weird, to do something unordinary? How do we get them to cast a spell and be hypnotic and to think about how that they um, sort of, you know, cast a spell on their audience and get them to pay attention? These are the way that we frame these, these, these virtues in a way that they can be dualistic. They can work for an organization or they can work for an individual. Uh, but it's true. I mean, we're, we're, we're in these companies every day. We're working with their leaders. We're working with their cultures. We're working with their brands. And I can tell you with 100% certainty that very, very few of them think like a rare breed. A quick side question. Now that Disney bought 20th Century Fox, do you guys get discount tickets to the theme parks or do you still have to pay full price? 
Not yet. We're working on it. We're working there, on it. I was going to say if you if you can save any money, but you know it's it's worth it. You know, I, 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 plus although I think they can afford to to give a discount because well, they've had seven movies this year, gross over a billion dollars. So I I, I don't think we're going to have to do any fundraising for the parent company anytime soon. But you know, in, you say you work with you know different size organizations, and I and I'm guessing you see while obviously by scale of organization size is you know are, are a big situation where you know some bigger organizations have a lot more challenges but i'm guessing there's probably a handful of core components that you run into time and time again uh, when you're working with these organizations and them um, not being as open to you know those rare breeds as as you would hope so you know what are some common things you're you're experiencing when you're working with these teams uh, I think a big thing that we see pretty consistently is we often think it's a brand problem when in fact it's a leadership problem. So that's probably one of the biggest prevalent things that we see. Uh, there's high turnover, there's competing visions, they may lack a vision, uh, there may be sort of turmoil within the organization in terms of being in alignment. So who they think they are and who they actually are are often not at all aligned. So a good part of our work is going in and teaching them how to align uh, the systems, meaning how do we align leadership, how do we align to our vision, how do we align our culture and our brand to feel harmonious, you know, when sometimes um, a good bit of why sometimes companies will hire us is because those two things are very much out of alignment, meaning maybe the company has gone through periods of growth and transition and the brand does not does no longer reflect where they're at, or they've been resting on their laurels for a long time, and the business they were in or the sweet spot that they were in, they are no longer a leader, or they are a leader, and they're getting a lot of heat, and they're sort of slowly but surely, uh, you know, get other competition is gaining on them. Uh, and sometimes it's really just about, helping them understand the potency of brand and the power of brand and that it's not something that you just leave to the marketing department, but it's actually every essence of who you are. It's every decision you make. It's every uh, story you tell. It's every word you write. It's every experience that someone has with you is a reflection of what's happening at the helm of that ship. And so Rare Breed is really a book about not only giving people within the organization a voice to, to figure out how to plug in to the full spectrum of who they are. I mean, I believe that in the book we mentioned that, that, that there was a study done where, you know, 80 to 90% of people that go to work every day feel like they leave a big chunk of themselves at the door. And what that tells us is, is that the old thinking of you come to work and you leave everything else that is upsetting you or on your shoulders or all of that, that stays outside of the walls. When you're in this company, you are here for us. You're here to work for us. And we don't care what's going on in your personal life. And sometimes what that does is it, it completely suppresses the best parts of someone. You are asking them to come without half their limbs half the time. You're asking them to per perhaps dress in, a, in different clothes that may not even be them. And and I think that's a mistake because you, you completely suppress creativity and innovation. You do not let people be them to, their true selves. They don't feel safe at work. As a matter of fact, we have people who reach out to us 
now that the book has been launched, we are getting e we are getting floods of emails of people who are writing us and saying, you know, I'm gay and I'm I can't even come out and tell my workplace that I'm gay because I fear I will be fired or I won't get the job, and that's insanity to me. Uh, you know, because it's what you're doing is is that you are you're not allowing people to fully express themselves, and not not to say that you want all that messy garbage, but the truth is is that people are human. And we're not allowing people to be human in the workplace. We're trying to get them to be the pretty up version of maybe what they are and what they truly are. And I think that Rare Breed is about not only giving those people a floor, but but to understand and leverage those those unconventional traits so that they can shine in the workplace. And then for companies who are struggling with knowing how to deal with the rebel or the weirdo or someone who's hypnotic, you know, or something that has so much charisma that everyone else feels like they've sucked all the air out of the room, how do you then manage someone like that? How do you get the best of that person uh, within your organization so that you can celebrate them and let them rise up without having sort of tall poppy syndrome where you feel like you have to cut the other flowers down because one is rising above the other? If anything, you have where everyone's rising to the top because you're fully embracing all of the traits of, of, of those individuals and really using them to sort of masterfully kind of captain your ship forward into the future, which is what needs to happen, uh, or others are going to get left behind. Yeah, it's alarming that in 2019, there's still people that are afraid to come out uh, and not be themselves at work. Um, that, that, that bothers me tremendously, um, because we spend the most of our consecutive waking hours in a work environment, majority of people, you know, solopreneurs and entrepreneurs, you know, we, we have some weird schedules at various coffee shops across the planet, but uh, at the end of the day, um, you know, we're, you tend to be concentrated in a consistent period of time with people and to have to wear a mask and not be yourself that leads to stress, that leads to burnout, that leads to just having a dual life and that's no way to live. And um, hopefully organizations will wake up and embrace um, people that are different. And, and the thing of it is, everybody's different. And I think one of the things that frustrates me with a lot of organizations, they still kind of operate on that um, okay, everything needs to be a square peg and it goes like this and everybody lines up assembly line kind of thing and don't think, don't talk, just go do the work. Um, but it's, a, it's those people that have those seven characteristics that can bring to light situations that management won't see because quite frankly, management oftentimes aren't out on the front lines. And in, in many cases, they're not supposed to be but they they need the eyes, you know, because if they if they don't have the the eyes and the ears of the people to say, okay, this is what the environment is, this is what our clients are asking for, these are the situations or that. If you're not open to those things, and just say, no, this is how we're going to do it, um, and that's it. Um, that can be problematic. Um, and that's when you start seeing employee engagement go in the tank, and you see the amount of um, you know, turnover that we're seeing in many organizations. And thankfully, you know, the job market is such where there are opportunities for people to leave. But unfortunately, as I'm sure you, you see, 
you know, they leave one bad situation for another bad situation. And uh, right. uh, hopefully there'll be more organizations that will be, you know, diving into this particular book and, and learning about, you know, why, you know, having somebody with rare breed mentality is going to make your organization better and be open right. to that. Right. Yeah. I mean, because it is so much about unhappiness. You know, we do spend the majority of our waking hours working on whatever our thing is, whether it's in an office or whether it's remotely or, or whatever we're doing in our lives. We're spending a tremendous amount of our time working. And if that is an unhappy environment and existence, it just leads to unfulfillment. And unfulfillment leads to undeserved the paycheck. Depression. And depression. depression and exactly. And it, it really is a domino effect. And you've got people either leaving and job hopping and going from having a grass is always greener sort of outlook and trying to find the thing that's going to make them feel a little bit better about themselves and what they're spending their time doing. Or you have people staying in jobs who are completely disconnected and just there for the paycheck and not really being able to bring their full self to work. Because we've all heard the whispers from a very young age, you know, don't fall or, you know, don't be so weird, you know, fall in line, keep your head down, play it safe, don't have, don't have so many opinions, you know, hear all these things from, from the moments we're young, and through school, and through high school, and through college, and it just kind of continues on, and one day we just have to wake up and say enough, and break that, that spell that kind of keeps us in this zombie-like state that so many people are existing in, and then hopefully one day these organizations will realize that they need to stop resting on their laurels, you know, so that they can, they can break out of that and actually start to make a dent, make a difference. Yeah, there's a whole lot of sleepy giants out there, right? And we're in them every day. And I think that, you know, that's been a big part of our work. It's, it's why we do what we do. It's, you know, we're not just a traditional branding agency. We're very different. Um, we, you know, we didn't, we never worked for another agency before, so we kind of crafted our own unorthodox methodology, and we learned very early on that we had a gift of being able to go into an organization and not only give them the words that they were missing, but we were also able to give them an insight into fogginess that many organizations have. We're able to, we're able to blow that smoke out and sort of give them more clarity on what they're doing, how they're positioned, what they're communicating. What's really different about them? And, and Rare Breed came out of that. You know, it took us 15 years of working with leaders, the organizations, ourselves, branding, you know, in our own, our own career of being sort of told that we weren't good enough, too young, too female, et cetera, you know, that to, to break out of a very small town that was locked down by two or three established players. There was no room for us, but we made room. We made our, our elbows real, real sharp. And that way we were able to kind of like force our way um, to get people to pay attention to us. And we sort of brought that magic to other organizations who were fighting the same thing. And some of them were just too small, not enough budget, not enough real noise to kind of break through. We had to get really crafty and, and very smart about how we did things like that. But we found that we had a gift for it. And it's now the thing that people seek us out for. You know, people come to us to help them figure out how to define their differences, to communicate the unique DNA within their organizations and their positioning, and, and sometimes even help leaders uh, to both 
sort of identify what those traits are within the rare breed and apply those within their organization, but also within teams and leadership teams and employees who are also struggling with figuring out how to how they sort of articulate their identity and where their gifts are and where their strengths are. And, uh, you know, we were in a fishbowl a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you know that app or not, but we got hundreds of questions uh, of people in workplaces who are saying, like, I identify as like a weirdo, you know, and, and I feel like I don't have a place in my organization. And then we had some people reaching out and saying, uh, you know, I, how do I deal with, um, you know, I'm in, I'm in the room with all of these people who are in more positions, you know, higher positions than I am. And I feel like I don't have a voice at the table, but I have ideas and opinions of how we can make things better. And I feel like I can't speak up, you know, it's just little things like that that people are struggling with, that this book is going to give them the tools to, to figure out how to leverage those things. And I think it's important for every organization to pick up this book because I think it would dramatically change so much, um, not only in in workplaces, but the workplace culture, uh, the products and services that we as consumers buy every day. If everyone at an organization was working in a place of, of happiness and fulfillment and enjoyed doing their work, the quality of the work that they do is going to be better and the stuff that we consume uh, will be better. And it's just, it will have a huge ripple effect. So every organization and individual that's listening to this, go buy this book. Uh, and it's, I mean, I, and I don't say that a lot with, with authors and with all due respect to all the authors that I've said, you know, and interviewed, you know, it, you know it's, it, but it's, but it, it's, it's true. It's, this is one of those books that I think if organizations actually opened up their eyes and did this, we would see the transformation that we need to see in, in, in every walk of life, not just in business, but you know, the, these lessons that are in this book um, can give people the permission to, you know, to be that rare breed. Don't, don't subdue it. Don't try to push it down. Let it, let it, really bloom and, and bloom into, you know, the individual that you're supposed to be. And, you know, those gifts and skills are there for a reason. And when you, when you actually get to use those gifts and skills, uh, the world's going to be better for it. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and thank you for that. That really means a lot of what you're saying. I think this book is definitely having, it's gaining traction. A lot of people are getting their hands on it. We're getting emails now every day. I mean, it's only been out since September 3rd, but, you know, we are already getting people just, like, identifying with it. They're like, I've always felt like a rare breed. I always felt like a misfit. I always felt like an hour. Like, this book gave me a voice. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm approaching my organization in a different way. Like, I'm approaching my life in a different way. And those are big words, you know, to, to have that kind of feedback so quickly of people really plugging in and, and feeling that it's, it's not unlike any book that they've read. I mean, keep in mind that most business books, most traditional success books, they tell you that there's something about you that's flawed, that you need to change something in order to succeed. And we're actually saying, well, that may not be true, you know. Uh, there, there is a different path, and you can have success, uh, and you don't have to follow these, you know, these nine formulas to, 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 to happiness, you know, that there's, there's another way to do it. And I think that's why it's resonating on, on such a deep level. I mean, we're doing now rare breed workshops where we go into companies that are hiring us to come in and teach their organization, uh, you know, for a, for a 
whole day, you know, we're coming in and, and spending a day with them and working on uh, different, you know, these seven virtues and how they can apply them to the organization. Uh, it's, it's, been, it's been really fun to kind of see it take shape and, and become something more. It's, we're even working on a video series now where um, we interview seven guests uh, who embody one of the seven virtues. So we're doing a YouTube series. Our very first guest was Charlemagne the God, who's a very polarizing figure. Uh, we talked to him about audacity. We just yesterday we just um, interviewed Don Batiste and uh, YouTube singer, uh, and kind of growing up very very fast and, and getting a lot of traction. Uh, and Doty, we interviewed Robin Rock and a few other people. So it's really cool to kind of see it become more than a book. Um, it's now becoming more of like a, uh, an actual content platform where people can really plug into to different modes of of this concept in a, in a lot of different ways. That's awesome. Um, I'm thrilled for both of you and I'm even more thankful that this book exists. So thank you for that. So my pleasure. So where can people find out more about you and the book and all the awesome stuff you're doing? Yeah, you can go to our website at www.thisisrarebreed.com. We are on Instagram at this is rare breed and also Facebook at This Is Rare Breed um, as well. And also the quiz. This oh, the quiz we didn't talk about yet. You want to mention Yeah, that? we worked with a psychologist and a professor to design a quiz to help people discover what, which one of the seven rare breed virtues they most embody. And so the quiz can be found at rarebreedquiz.com. Mm-hmm. And you can go to that link and take the quiz, and it will take you through a series of 28 questions. It usually takes about 15 minutes to complete. And at the end of it, you're emailed what your virtue is with an explanation around it and some tips and tricks on how to take advantage of it. That's awesome. And I'll have all of those links in the show notes and yeah, definitely take the quiz because you may think that you're one thing and after the quiz, you may discover you are something completely different. So (laughs) definitely, definitely take advantage of that. So thank you both for your time today. Really appreciate you. And and thank you again for writing this book. Thank you, Michael. We appreciate it. Michael. This is so much fun. Thank you. Likewise. All right. Hey, it's Michael again. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're like many people, you're dealing with some significant stress and possibly approaching burnout. I know how you feel. In 2009, my burnout led to a year of worst case scenarios. I do not want that to happen to you. If you go to breakfastleadership.com, you can register for a free webinar on burnout prevention, as well as get as a free checklist to have successful mornings. Start off each day the right way. Again, that's at breakfastleadership.com. Also, since you are a loyal podcast listener, I'm asking you to like, rate, and review my podcast on iTunes. I look at all the reviews and appreciate your comments, and it helps other potential listeners discover the content I have on the show. I appreciate you, and thanks again for listening.